0: I'm Lauren and I'm a veterinarian.
1: I'm JJ and I'm a veterinary technician. And
0: you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by Introverts with high functioning anxiety. Eek. Welcome everybody to Snack Episode 11. Hello. All right JJ, last time we mentioned the wow cat story and we left everybody hanging. So,
1: it has been a long time ago. So basically, we had a client who had several, several cats. You know, the number was more than ten. Even though we really tried to uh, keep this from happening, she insisted that all the cats come in for their annual visits on the same day.
0: She's wanting an appointment scheduled for ten plus cats at one time.
1: Yes, yeah, she basically we she took the whole afternoon. Yeah,
0: well, you would have to. I mean, yeah. Okay.
1: And more than one exam room in her mind, not having all the cats there at the same time upset the cats. Of course, you have that many cats, you're going to have a a variety of chili pepper levels. And the ones that are on the higher end of the scale are going to affect those that either wouldn't even normally be on the scale or on the lower end of the scale and escalate the whole thing. It made the afternoon just lovely. Mm. So, yeah, I Yeah.
0: I really hate multiple pet visits. I'm not going to lie. It's one of my least favorite things.
1: And this never went well. But there was one cat in particular who was the highest uh rating cat on the chili pepper scale. She was a good 4, even if she came in by herself. She did come in from time to time by herself for various reasons, but she definitely affected the mood of the entire building, <laughs> cats and people alike. And there was very few people that could handle her in the staff. Unfortunately, this particular day, it was my day. Yay, JJ. And this particular cat was, he was not, or she was not tiny. She was upwards of 17 pounds. And not all of that was fluff or fat. I mean, she was just a big cat. She was one of those cats that had the dainty feet, mm-hmm. like the smaller head and the little feet, but just uh-huh. a horse of a barrel of a body. <laughs> and she was strong. Uh-huh. She was one of those two that was worse than the carrier. When you got her out of the carrier and kind of had her burritoed up, I mean, she still, if you got in her face, she'd slap the stew out of you. But, you know, if you can bob and weave, you can usually do a good, you know, ear, eye. And she was hissing the whole time. So that's the way you could look in the mouth. Getting behind to feel of the belly and stuff, that's where she really would not appreciate it. It was also one of those carriers where it's like maybe meant for like a five to six pound cat. And it was a 17 pound cat stuffed into this tiny carrier. Why do people do that? I don't know. I mean, it was so such a tight fit. Like this cat's fluff was sticking out the windows. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like a sausage casing.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: (laughs) Like an exoskeleton.
1: Sometimes it would show up in a bigger carrier. That particular day, though, I just remember seeing the hair sticking out, and I'm like, what the heck is in there? (laughs) And I realized my fate. I'm like, oh, goody, I got this one. We managed to get her out of the carrier, and I had like two big thick towels and some gloves on. She was in kind of a sternal loaf position, And I was preparing because I knew that this particular cat did not appreciate having its belly touched. So the doctor went around to behind me, and they were going to kind of use their hands to kind of go under the towel and feel the cat's abdomen. I have no way of seeing what they're doing. So they start to feel, and the cat has this particular talent of, instead of, you know, most cats, they try to launch forward, or they try to turn over This cat was able to just try to go straight up like popcorn. And that particular action is very jarring, so it kind of caught me by surprise. And at the same time, the cat also made this really particular uh, scream that sounded very much like, wow! The combination of it jumping up and me kind of like almost losing a little bit of my grip, plus it saying, wow, everybody started kind of cracking up. Once again, they went to fill the abdomen and the cat, even louder, was like, wow, <laughs> 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 trying to jump straight up. So now it's like the entire room is like, this cat is saying, wow, this is hilarious. <laughs> there was a lot of commotion. Everybody was kind of laughing. The doctor kind of stopped what they were doing. I didn't realize this. And then another assistant who was new had now moved to try to take the cat's temperature. My ability to hang on to this very strong cat is diminishing greatly. We wouldn't have normally tried to take this cat's temperature. This is not a cat that you would take its temperature. It's just not a thing. No. Uh, if you want to live. I w- was turning around right at the same time that I noticed that the doctor was gone and that there was like, a bent over body, and I could see where they were going. So <laughs> I was about to say no, and I think that the thermometer just got kind of close enough to the butt where the cat let off one final and very serious wow. <laughs> it was just also surprising to have a cat say wow at you. <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> it sounded nothing like a meow. It was like wow. <laughs> well, it, was, <laughs> it
0: was kind of fun. well. <laughs> somebody coming at me from that end with a thermometer would make me say wow. Uh-huh.
1: Exactly. <laughs> of course it went down as a legend. <laughs> Anytime uh-huh. we saw that client on the schedule, Oh no, are they bringing the wild cat? Cause you know, everybody was kind of afraid of the cat.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder how that cat would do now that we have gabapentin as an option.
1: Probably a lot better. Gabapentin probably would have aided us in getting it out. And probably would have gotten a little bit better of an exam and the cat wouldn't have been quite so stressed.
0: Oh boy. Well, I don't know of a good bridge in, but we have a listener story from Wendy. Let me preface this by saying it had been a long day. Some owners had called earlier in the day about lab work results and I had been meaning to call them back all day, but it was around 8pm before I made it around to doing so. I was already a little on the fence about whether it was too late to call, but decided to go ahead since I knew they had been requesting the results. They didn't answer my call, however, so I made a split-second decision as to whether I could provide their information adequately in a voicemail. I decided there wasn't anything shocking in the results, and I knew they couldn't call back and get through <laughs> after hours. That's important. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> So I decided to go ahead and relay the info and suggest they call tomorrow with any further questions. I felt like it was a very clear and informative message. But when I got done and looked down at my phone screen, I realized it was black. I tapped it frantically, hoping it was just asleep, but nothing happened. So I had assumed that it had died mid-message and proceeded to have a small tantrum at my desk while still (laughs) holding the phone. After exclaiming, Oh, crap! (laughs) One of my staff passed through and asked what happened. I replied loudly, the stupid phone died. I was in the middle of leaving these owners a beautiful, professional message. But of course, the phone died halfway through. So I don't know what in the heck they actually heard. And I'm sure they will be confused. At this exact moment, I heard a robotic voice from the black phone screen say, if you would like to re-record your message, plus three. So the phone wasn't actually dead. The screen had just glitched and was frozen in blackness, (laughs) still recording the voicemail the whole time. After several failed attempts to tap the screen in the general vicinity where I imagined the three would be, I had no choice but to reboot the phone and leave that entire gem of a voicemail in their inbox. (laughs) i spent the next few seconds frantically trying to reconstruct what all I had said and was relieved that there had at least been no profanity. (laughs) But I'm confident that they didn't think that the full message was quite as beautiful and professional as I hoped. (sighs) This is some shit that would
1: happen to me. (laughs) I'm sure that has happened to you.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh boy. I've had my fair share of voicemail blunders. I mean, of all types. And then it it's uh, then I get cracked up and so I start laughing and then finally I'm just like, I'm sorry. Click, you know, or whatever. Oh dear. But <laughs> so I've never had one quite this bad though. This is pretty bad. It is beautiful and professional, okay. Mm -hmm. this message
1: (laughs) it was still beautiful and professional it just didn't quite stick the landing
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh god oh man (sighs) one of my like worst fears in life is that my phone is gonna accidentally stay on and either record or call someone while i'm you know having you know a sensitive conversation or something like that Mm -hmm. uh so I'm, like, really obsessive <laughs> about making sure that the phone is hung up.
1: It's when funny I up. you say that, and it's not to, like, you know, increase your fear. Mm. But for some reason, like, last week, we had so many clients butt dial us. Really? So many.
0: My stepdad, Bill, accidentally calls me all the time. <laughs> like, at least one time a week. And hmm. to the point that when my phone rings and it's Bill, I assume that he's not meaning to call me. <laughs> So, like, if there is an emergency ever, that's going to be a problem. But
1: I like, uh, just, like, hang up. And if he calls right back, then you know it wasn't a button.
0: Yes. That is the exact <laughs> strategy that I use. But sometimes even then, the phone will ring. Like, he's dialed me four or five times in a row like that before. And then finally, I have to call him back. And he's like, hi. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> um, hey. hey, <laughs> you you've dialed me five times in a row is it an emergency or no <laughs> and he's always like what no and it, it happened yesterday actually
1: his phone it's misses
0: you. like it it's, it's very often very very <laughs> often okay well so we've had another submission for our advice column
1: <laughs> the what the fuck do i do introverts
0: so jj is going to read this note that we got from a listener
1: oh it's a doozy I'm a veterinary team member at a multiple doctor practice. I've been in the veterinary field for more than five years and I've worked at other hospitals previously. At the hospital where I currently work, one specific veterinarian is in charge of care for the employee pets. I like this veterinarian and I think they do a good job overall, but I feel that they are more conservative with their recommendations for employee pets and don't tend to do the type of full workup that they would do for a regular client. I worry sometimes the vet's recommendations for employee pets, mine included, are not aggressive enough. My pet was recently diagnosed with a disease that I've been suspecting for a while, but when I requested the test for the condition, the veterinary recommended against doing the testing. The disease was diagnosed when the symptoms kept getting worse and the tests were finally performed. I think they probably would have done the test from the beginning if I wasn't an employee, I don't think the problem is just with this one vet, since I've worked at other practices where the same sort of thing tended to happen with employee pets. I feel angry and frustrated that it took this long to diagnose an issue that I've suspected for a while, but I am not sure what I should do to bring the problem up to the veterinarian. Hmm.
0: I agree, JJ. That's th- that's a tough one.
1: Yeah. and hmm. This person is exactly right. This okay. is not uncommon. Um, so you... So I've you've seen it every yeah. place that I have worked hmm. um, and I've seen all colors of the rainbow when it comes to what different doctors will uh, do and recommend some of them more aggressive, some of them not at all. Um,
0: You're saying with employee pets or just in general? With
1: employee pets. Yeah. I'm, you know, well, this is, sometimes it happens in general, too. But uh, employee pet seems to be kind of this weird land when it comes to doctors. Hmm. That seems to be the most common thing I see is that there's kind of like this trying to fill each other out.
0: So I'll say that I haven't knowingly experienced this. If I have ever done this accidentally to an employee, I apologize. But because I'm a vet, I think I haven't really dealt with this firsthand. So I'm probably going to let jj take the lead on a lot of this but i can kind of throw in some guesses about maybe why it might be happening but overall this sucks yeah and um i think that this listener who wrote in has first of all every right to feel frustrated what did they say angry and frustrated yes Mm -hmm. i validate your feelings those are normal things to feel about a situation like this. For sure, it's absolutely fine to be angry and frustrated. Mm -hmm. But then what should you do to bring up the problem?
1: This is what I normally do when I'm working at a new place is I sort of, you know, work with all the doctors there and try to figure out, because there's usually one that's going to be more aggressive and more direct than the others. And this is at risk of you know me saying that i have a preference for a doctor and that's another issue is that a lot of times technicians are worried that they're going to hurt one doctor's feelings mm-hmm. by okay choosing to work with another one that is something that is definitely seems to be kind of, i mean there's some texts that just they don't they don't give a shit
0: but <laughs> well a I lot mean,
1: of them do they're worried that if they picked one and there's Some places where if you do pick another doctor over the other one, there are some doctors that will bring that up in a way that definitely makes you feel like you don't have a choice or Hmm. that Hmm. you, uh uh-huh, yeah, that that has happened. Hmm. Um, But the best thing to do is to try to ferret out which doctor you feel like would work best with you. I don't know. Usually, there's one doctor at the practice that you can kind of relate to the most, or that kind of tends to have similar personality traits. Yeah. Also, be direct with the doctor yourself. Just say, "This is how I prefer, you know, things to work." You know, Maybe the veterinarian feels like, "Well, this dog really needs to have a big workup," but I know that the technician can't afford it.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there. So I guess I'll say. First off, do I think that veterinarians should make different recommendations to employees than they would to regular clients? No, I personally don't think so. If it's an appropriate workup, you should offer it to everyone equally. It's either an appropriate workup or not, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's the appropriate thing to do, it should be on the table no matter whose pet it is. I agree, though that there might be times when veterinarians might feel very tempted to be more conservative with recommendations for employee pets. And I jotted a couple down. First off, JJ, I think you're absolutely right that perceived financial constraints
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or even a guilt over the cost of the recommendations might be at play in some of these cases. Mm -hmm. So we generally tend to know that veterinary staff isn't super highly compensated you know and sometimes we have worked together for a really long time with that person we might know details of their personal life that you wouldn't know about a regular client you know and things like that so it can be tempting if you know say you know a technician and you know you guys gossip in surgery every you know three times a week for seven years and you know Right now, money is tight. They're having trouble making their rent. They're having trouble making their car payment. And now all of a sudden their animal is sick. And you might feel guilt about recommending a workup that's in the $500 range because you know they couldn't make rent last month, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do think that that is very likely to be coming into play. But I also think that we need to avoid letting that alter the recommendations Mm -hmm. and making sure that we understand what the goals are for that pet. One other thing that I wrote down was the discounted services that are received. So generally, veterinary staff members, when they're having a workup performed, will have some sort of employee discount. We won't get into the specifics and things like that. There are very specific tax rules that govern this that Uh, All clinics should look at, FYI, Mm -hmm. but not everyone follows them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But anyway, is there anxiety on the part of the veterinarian about if I recommend this, you know, is there some sort of a clinic policy um, about employee benefits that might potentially have the owner of the clinic coming to that veterinarian and saying, Why did you recommend X, Y, Z on an employee pet when it's so expensive? There could be some external pressure, pressure outside of the situation from management. Mm. I don't think that that's appropriate. Again, I think, you know, it needs to be the same recommendation for everyone equally. Mm -hmm. The whole discount thing should not involve the veterinarian treating the case at all unless that veterinarian is an owner um, of of the practice, like, the money side really is between management and and the technician. But sometimes the other veterinarians who aren't in management will kind of get pulled into that. And maybe they might feel um, kind of pulled in two different directions, potentially. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I wrote down was, could there be time constraints involved? So one thing is employees, in my experience, do tend to kind of like bring their pets like, surprise! Mm -hmm. Uh, I brought Fluffy today, and they're sick with, you know, a list of 10 things or whatever, and it's, like, already a day where things are slammed, and you're just like, oh my god, like, I can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of like um, a cobbler's children having no shoes situation sometimes, where, like, you might be not, quote, allowed to schedule a full appointment time for an employee pet, but then you don't have time. So then everyone's staying late to do it. You're trying to do it during lunch. You might feel rushed. The veterinarian might not have the time to sit down and have the same types of conversations about goals and things that they would for a normal client because that time hasn't been set aside. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I was thinking I don't want that to be seen, though, as making excuses for the veterinarians. Each one of these potential problems is 100% solvable. So we don't need to just say, oh, it's probably just this and write it off. We need to say, is it this? Okay, how are we going to correct that Mm -hmm. and make it more equitable, make everybody, make sure the pets get the care that they need, the owners of the patients who happen to be employees get the care their pets need and what they're paying for. And also the clinic, the management, you know, that sort of thing is satisfied as far as compensation goes to make sure that there's not an unreasonable burden being placed on the office's finances to kind of, you know, because sometimes, uh, sometimes employees will run up a large bill and then it becomes like, man, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, oh, we can't, you know, the Clinic can't front you a $1,500 workup right now because you've already got 1500 on your bill
1: mm-hmm. and
0: our accounts receivable is way too high. You know, like all those things kind of yeah. come into it too.
1: And I've seen, um, unfortunately, uh, support staff, you know, seek out a certain person that they can take advantage of. And they're like, I know that this particular doctor will do things for my pet and they may not charge me for it. I mean, that's to me, that's just as bad as a client using emotional blackmail on a veterinarian, and it's it pisses me off when it happens. I'll be pretty honest about it.
0: It sounds like in this particular case, the clinic management has some has at least looked at the employee benefits side of things. And, and how this is going to work a little bit closer because they've actually designated this one veterinarian to be in charge of this. So Yeah,
1: that's interesting because I've never yeah. seen a clinic do that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I am looking through that policy and saying, mm-hmm. We've been having some problems, I bet, with accounts receivable on employee pets in the past or mm-hmm. undercharging or no-charging services that cost the clinic money. I, I bet then all of a sudden they finally were like, fine, you're only going to go through this doctor. And they they made it a doctor who they knew was going to be like, we're going to charge you appropriately and not, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the owner of the clinic even. Could be. Maybe the owner of the clinic has said... Ugh, you know, I I keep having this problem. I'm going to be in charge from now on of everybody's pet health care. And they're kind of even using it maybe as a way to prevent accounts receivable from getting too high. Mm -hmm. Something is weird about that policy. I bet you that they've been burned in the past in some way. They kind of put a bandaid on it by making this type of policy, you know,
1: Yeah, that's not really fair to other people, though. I mean, you want to tell the people, you want to to tell the, the, the client in this situation is the employee. But still, I mean, you're there to do one job, and that is to do what's best for the pet. So if you're intentionally not making recommendations just to save your own self some money, is that really, that's doing the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing, in my opinion, anyway? Right. Right. So so I don't think that's a good fix for that problem.
0: Yeah. I think that like many of the issues that people write us about, this is going to come down to communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that that communication needs to occur after you have worked through the anger and frustration a little. I'm not saying it has to be gone, but we should probably have a somewhat of a cooling off period just a a little Mm -hmm. that's not to say that you can't be emotional or show emotion when you have something upsetting happen but sometimes unfortunately the way the world is is that management won't take you seriously if you feel very passionately about something Mm -hmm. so i think this is a situation where it would be good to take a little bit of a breather think about what is your actual complaint in this case i feel that there are not consistent recommendations for employee pets versus clients and it sounds like they feel that the what's recommended to clients is appropriate so it's not that they're saying they're like gouging clients or something it's that they feel like they're being offered substandard care because they're an employee and so then i would Say it just like that, you know, like, hey, I, I need to talk to you about this. This might be a little bit uncomfortable, but here's where we're at. I feel that the care that's offered to employee pets is not up to the same standard of the care that's offered to clients, and I think that's a problem. Here are some examples. Here's what I had my, as my personal experience. Here are the emotions that I felt. I felt angry and frustrated about it. Mm -hmm. And then, then this is the important part. Here is what I would like you to do to address it moving forward.
1: Yes. Always offer a solution. If you're bringing a problem,
0: that's right. Because then that gives the management something to think about. Right. Mm -hmm. And they might say, no, that that solution that you came up with isn't going to work, but thank you for bringing this up. Let's work to find another solution. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, The ones I'm thinking about off the top of my head are like, be up front. I always like to, as a veterinarian, establish what the owner's goals are because everybody has different goals. And actually, I don't think enough veterinarians do this because often when I start talking about the goals for treatment or the goals for the case, some pet owners get very confused or frustrated or mad as if they don't understand why I'm even asking. So I think we need to do a better job as a profession of establishing that as like a routine, no big deal thing that we talk about because it just helps everybody have a clear picture of what to do and not dance around. Hey, I just need to know. I'm seeing some things that are concerning to me. This case is likely going to involve an extensive workup. I'm going to go through those things with you now, but I need you to let me know if your goals aren't lined up with that recommendation so that then I can make additional recommendations. I mean, it It could be that easy. Mm-hmm. But that involves the employee being very honest with the veterinarian and with themselves, too. Because it's also not appropriate to assume that the veterinary hospital is going to help finance a super major dollar treatment, right? Mm-hmm. I think every practice needs to have very clear-cut guidelines, okay? you cannot run up a bill higher than X amount without paying it completely off. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, your benefits as far as a percentage basis off or whatever they are, are not to exceed X dollars per year, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And some people might be kind of bristling about that, but here's the thing. If you are a veterinary technician with one animal who gets a discount of 20%, and you're a veterinary technician who owns twenty animals and get a di- gets a discount of twenty percent. You know, um, mm-hmm. the uh, the person with twenty animals is actually receiving a much higher dollar value benefit than the person with one animal, and I bet that their pay isn't different to offset that. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, that's actually not a fair way to compensate employees. No. So I think that looking at those policies really carefully to see, you know. What is fair and equitable for everyone so that there's not just a few staff members with a thousand animals each kind of eating up the entire clinic budget? And that's a management level decision that uh, requires like a really close look there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Number one for this individual case is to decide. It sounds like you like this veterinarian. Even though that they're kind of mandated to be in charge of your pet's care, it sounds like you're not upset about that or want to change vets. You just want them to be more aggressive with their recommendations. So I would just say that. Mm -hmm. I would just go to the vet and say, hey, I'm feeling really frustrated about this. Can we talk about why you felt nervous about making those recommendations or why when I requested those specific tests, you kind of shot me down? You know, was it like... Was there like an ego element to it? Did you really not think that's what was going on? If so, what's the harm in doing those tests? You know, was it something that you felt like would harm the patient or what? You know, like what exactly was the situation? Yeah, because that's and a weird. just talk about it.
1: That's a weird situation. I, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen like an employee like request a test and be told no, because that's. You know, usually the vets like that. They're like, oh, you even want us to do that? Okay, sure, we'll go ahead. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if they they may not 100% agree with, and they may try to cancel the employee and just say, hey, um, I see where you're probably thinking this is going. Here's why I think we should do this test instead or that sort right. of situation. But just to be straight up told no.
0: Can we do the thing that you want to do? But also, can we add on this other thing that mm-hmm. I'm really concerned about? You know, yeah. maybe, maybe a, a that kind of a thing. Like, is it a is it being perceived as some sort of a power struggle issue? Like, I think how you handle that is completely different than if the vet is just like, oh, actually, I was doing a little bit of assuming that you wouldn't want to do major stuff.
1: Yeah, you if know? it's a power struggle issue, that's that's a battle you don't want to get into. Exactly. I've been exactly. in it, it's, so there's no winner. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then so maybe you are though, listener, in a situation where you're like, I actually would want to use one of the other vets. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, well, we just gotta put our put our big girl panties on and say, I know that this is the policy. However, I feel more comfortable having a clinical relationship for my animals with this other veterinarian. Mm-hmm how the veterinary staff and management react to that statement
1: it's going to be telling
0: is how they react like <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you cannot control that okay if they get upset if they get jealous if they get whatever that's a them problem that they're going to need to work through you can't take like i think you shouldn't be a dick about it right right calm statement very not you know something like that but like not <laughs> don't be an asshole but like at the end of the day you are paying them for a service, even if it's a discounted one. You're paying them for a service, so you should ask for what you need out mm-hmm. of that. Okay, what if the veterinarian that you want to see works at that same practice? So then it's time to go to management and say, I really want this to be the case. What is it going to take? Management might say, well, then services won't be discounted. You're going to then have to just make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's what you're looking at is being very honest, straightforward, and, you know, calmly assertive about it. It doesn't have to be a huge emotional thing. It doesn't have to be like a, you know, Mm -hmm. I might not make that proclamation across the whole hospital just to stop the drama bus. You know, like just, it can be a private conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, and then otherwise, if people ask you about it, you can just be like, you know, that's just, that was just my final decision. Yeah. Like, don't stir the drama pot about it. Just, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. I've seen in some cases where, um, and I've considered doing this myself, where employees will actually schedule an appointment and they bring their pet in on their day off. Yes. And um so that there's actual time set aside to work on their pet. And a lot of the other employees think that's weird, but I'm like, in a way, that's a good idea because you have... Now they have that time dedicated to your pet that they can actually spend doing the exam. And if they are still not doing a proper, you know, thorough exam, then there's a conversation that needs to be had. Because mm-hmm. um, that takes away the whole time constraint issue to a degree. Plus, you're not, you know, you're not taking time away from the clinic. Like if you're on the clock and you should be working, but you're going and getting your animal and bringing it up. And that that can be kind of viewed a little bit sometimes by management as well you're on my time and you're doing this. So if Mm -hmm. you're coming in on your day off and you have a scheduled appointment, I guess the only negative thing to go with that is they may say, well, you're taking up time in another client that's paying more if you're getting a discount, but still you're still paying for a service. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I think that that's actually, if you thought about it, like, um, okay, we're, we're going to set you up an appointment. It's got to be an appointment. You can't just, you know, randomly drop a super sick animal on us unless it truly is an emergency and then maybe there's a higher fee for that just like there would be i mean you should be there should be a difference in cost between urgent care appointments for your regular clients and mm-hmm. routine wellness care or things that aren't emergencies there should be if you're a well-managed hospital mm-hmm. and the same is true of employee pets you know maybe Maybe the discount applies for wellness things or for stuff that can be scheduled in advance. But if it's an emergency or the pet is doing really bad, then it's a full price thing. I mean, yeah, all these things just need to be outlined and addressed ahead of time. But I actually think it's less costly for the clinic to have the employee schedule a visit for their day off than it is to have them working on their own pet while they're clocked in.
1: Mm -hmm. And that can also take down the whole worry of... I mean, I don't know how much other veterinarians pay attention to each other's schedules. In some cases, I think some do more than others. But like I know for me, there was some issue that I had at one of the places I worked where there was a doctor that I preferred to see. And there was a doctor that would get upset if you preferred another vet see your animals over that person. So I would intentionally schedule my animals to come in when the person I didn't want to see was off. But you, as you schedule a room appointment, that kind of you're scheduling it under that particular doctor. You mm-hmm. should see who you prefer to see, and not if you have a drop off, it's going to be whoever's free at the time, or right that sort of thing.
0: I would like to just address really quickly this idea of well, it's competitiveness is what it is, and jealousy mm-hmm. amongst veterinarians regarding the staff animals. That's an ego thing. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. So. I'm not saying that it's you're a bad person if you feel that way. I mean, we're just people. Everybody gets jealous. Everybody gets, you know, their feelings a little hurt about things occasionally.
1: Yeah, and the same thing happens in Techland where, like, say somebody brings in their animal, like, okay, I want this this particular technician to run anesthesia. I mean, I've had, you know, other people chosen over me before, and I would have like a momentary little sting of... Wow! does that mean that you think that I do my job poorly? And then I have to, you know, stop saying, no, it just means that they're more comfortable with this other person. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're less than, it just means that that person is more comfortable with the other person. It's just how you choose to react to that feeling, I guess, is how big your ego is. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, everyone has a little ego. Everyone can get upset about these things for sure, especially Mm -hmm. about things that you perceive as your identity, right? Mm -hmm. I am the person who handles all of the cases of the staff's animals. Like, that might be a pride point, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the employee who needs care for their pet isn't in charge of or can't manage the emotions of the veterinarians, right? Mm -hmm. The veterinarians are in charge of managing their own emotions. And it's not that you're not allowed to feel things or that you're wrong or bad when you feel things. It's how you react to those feelings. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. There are definitely times where I feel a little bit jelly about stuff, you know, or whatever. But like, then that's one of the things that I work with my therapist about, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and trying to remember that you're not going to mess with everyone. Like not every person is going to think that you, are the bee's knees as far as veterinary medicine goes like you can't be everything to every person Mm -hmm. so i think that you just have to find whatever your style is do what you think is right and if there are clients that prefer to see someone else like okay that's fine there's room for plenty of styles in veterinary medicine Mm -hmm. and um i've had just as many people say to me hey, I don't like it that you really explain stuff thoroughly. As I've had people say, I love how thoroughly you explain stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I have just over time had to decide, though, how do I want to be? Well, I want to thoroughly explain stuff. So if that aggravates you, you need to find a different vet. Mm -hmm. And that's not, like, you just have to be okay with that then. Like, you know, you can't. You can't please everyone, is what I'm saying. And you shouldn't have to. And it's not a big deal if you can't, because it's like a completely impossible goal to do.
1: exactly. (laughs)
0: Well, answering that question brought up a lot of things that I hadn't even anticipated us talking about, actually.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, I think in summary, JJ, would you say communication, communication, communication.
1: Absolutely. Don't be afraid as a support staff member to say what you prefer because you are paying for the service and, you know, try out the different veterinarians. Some of them are going to have different styles. Pick which one you like the best if you have that option. And if you don't, you're not comfortable. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've worked to places where I've considered taking my animals to another vet and paying full price. I mean, I
0: know people that do that. Yeah. I know veterinarians. I know veterinarians who work in general practice, who have a different general practitioner for their own pets who mm-hmm. works at another office.
1: Yep. Yep. Seen that too. And so just
0: do whatever. It's your animal. It's your money. hmm You do what makes you feel the most comfortable.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and if people have a problem with that, they'll get over it.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> Eventually, they'll work through it.
1: Mm-hmm. One scenario that I did forget, I mean, some veterinarians are really worried and they're really worried about, you know, what if uh, there's a bad outcome with your pet? Is it going to mess up your working relationship?
0: Mm. Um, Oh, God. Yeah. Let's, JJ, that is a great topic.
1: We can hang on to that one. (laughs)
0: Let's pause there. We're going to leave this in the episode, okay? Mm -hmm. We can have another anticipation. (laughs) We need to cover this topic that is so important. Mm. Let's do a whole episode on that. Okay, Maybe we can have Dana come. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Well, so we're going to wrap it up there for the day. Listener, communicate, be respectful. Don't come in there, kick the door in and yell at everyone. But you can do this. You can have an adult conversation about this. You got this. Mm -hmm. Uh, In wrapping it up... We are making plans for a Halloween episode. (laughs) I'm excited. Featuring all sorts of spooky veterinary related stories.
1: If we get enough, can we have two?
0: Girl, we can have as many as we want to. I love it. All right, JJ, what are we going to have them submit?
1: Ghost animals.
0: Clinic ghost
1: stories. And wacky Halloween veterinary stories hmm
0: That she, weird she, she, she. foreign object retrieval you did on Halloween. Mm-hmm. I want to know about
1: it. I'm really okay. excited about the clinic ghost stories because so many oh, clinics yeah. are haunted.
0: You, yes.
1: So many. Yeah, y'all
0: know, y'all know there are ghosts mm-hmm. up in those clinics? Whether it be a them.
1: person or an animal,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Send us an email. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right, JJ, where are they going to send the email?
1: Um, they're going to send it to um, our shit email address. <laughs>
0: Send it to our shit, yo.
1: I don't know why I started like frantically staring at the outline. Where's our email address? because Oh I totally no, it's forget. not on there. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm like. We're gonna send it to it's like looking for the fax number on the phone. <laughs> it's like, where is it? <laughs> Panic. Okay. Okay. I know okay. this. Okay. Uh they're gonna send it to our email at podcast at gmail.com. All right. Did I get that right? I think
0: you got that right. You did. That is the, the accurate address, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, hashtag introvets. Mm-hmm. And subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really does help. And we'll see you next time.